Welcome to Legal News and Review, recipient of the Florida Bar Award of Excellence. Legal News and Review, the only real problem solver radio program using the law. With your moderator, Philip Bell, and hosts and legal panel attorney, Gary Singer, chair of the Broward County Bar Association's Real Property Section. Gary Singer is board certified in real estate law and a syndicated columnist from the Sun Sentinel. He is an expert in his field of practice. Now, here's your moderator, Philip Bell. On the docket for today's program, condo and homeowners associations are charged with keeping property maintained and to keep property values up. There are a number of issues between homeowners and their community associations that can actually be avoided by the owners reading and being familiar with the governing documents of their association, of course. But today, from a law firm of Backer about Polikoff and Fulster, is that correct, Fulster? Uh, that's correct. Abood, not about. Abood, I'm sorry. No worries. Well, it's always about you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we have attorney Ryan Abood, who's partner in the firm, hence the name there. Uh, Ryan is going to be educating us on homeowners' rights and the rights of the board of directors that serves the homeowners. But first, I'd like to welcome the legal panelists for today's program. Our newest legal panelist that's here with us is Eric Yankowit. Good to see you again here, Phil. Always good to see you. You came here all the way from Miami. Rushed, to, court rushed all the way well. here. Yes. And Gary Singer is actually on vacation, but he's watching us on Facebook Live. So hello, Gary, wherever you are. Hey, Gary. And um, Phil Goodbye, in. good riddance. <laughs> <laughs> we get his seat. Uh, but filling in for, for Gary is our good friend and attorney, Chuck Vaccaro. And uh, Chuck is board-certified specialist by the Florida Bar and Civil Trial and Host of other accolades as well. Hi, Chuck. Hey, hey, Phil. Great to be back as always. Hi, yeah. everybody. Great, great. We have some, a, a jam-packed show here, and uh, you know, I don't know anybody who does not live in, a, in an association of one type, except for the attorney we're going to be speaking to. <laughs> <laughs> True. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, now, I want to welcome our listeners on ninety-six point nine FM, one hundred three point nine FM, and seven forty AM, along with our national listeners on iHeart iRadio Now, and tune in. Welcome. Reminding our listeners, you can actually watch the production live most Thursdays beginning 5.30 p.m. Just Google Facebook, Legal News and Review, and watch the past shows as well. They're all there for everybody to enjoy and be educated on. You're going to see that we're recording today live at the Kelly Ustall Building in their mock courtroom. First of all, I want to welcome Ryan Abu. You know, Ryan, you are an emotional business here. The Homeowners and Homeowners Association. I was a homeowner association president because no one else wanted to do it. My, my wife, you know, pointed to me and nominated me. And I'm like, what? And it was second. All of, all of a sudden, I got people threatening to sue me. You have my condolences. I'm sorry. No <laughs> <laughs> good deed goes unpunished. You know, it's really funny and coincidental. I was at um, a brand new homeowner association. It was our first meeting since the t- t- turnover meeting. Right. And I was there last night. Everybody knows I'm the only attorney in the neighborhood. Uh-oh. Yeah, so what happened was one of the, the secretary just throws it out. Hey, I want to take the minutes. Can I record the minutes? And everybody looks at me. <laughs> oh, boy. So, so, so my question, Ryan, you know, obviously, I mean, I, I'm like, uh, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, what, what, is, what is the purpose of, of homeowners associations? Why do they need attorneys? What, what? Well, generally, 
Boards are generally in charge with the operation and maintenance of the entire community. They're in charge of usually lots of money that homeowners are paying into in order to fund all of these expenses, whether it's for insurance or repairs or maintenance of the common areas. And the boards generally need attorneys to guide them as to their decisions to make sure they're doing the right thing, for lack of a better word. Because now they're held to a higher standard. You can actually go to jail, I understand. Under certain circumstances, you can. Some of the things you could do in your capacity as a board member could expose you to prison sentences, fraud charges, other criminal activities. So it's it's quite serious nowadays. So our listenership understands who you you actually, uh, the the firm was created in 1995, and, and you boldly put it as an antidote to the big firm syndrome out there. Know, representing uh, homeowners as well as the condo association, and that's so true. A lot of those larger firms, you know, that have the whole floor about tw- you know downtown Fort Lauderdale, right? Someone's paying for that. <laughs> but um, you're more of a number there. You're, you're dealing more with a pure legal than you ever will with the uh, correct. Or, or I'm not going to name names, of course, but you know who they are. I know who they are. Yeah. You'll deal with a paralegal, maybe an associate, and at our firm, generally, you'll speak to one of the one of the principal shareholders, one of the partners, one of the named partners to handle most of your work. And clients clients generally respond to that. They like that. They don't like their work getting shuttled in our experience to the newest associate or the newest paralegal. Yeah, they want access to us. And they have it. And you build uh, a rapport. And then, Correct. And then, you know, worst thing than that is trying to have to bring somebody up to speed. You know, oh, I'll have to read those notes and get back to you. You don't have to read the notes. You know it. That's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> correct. That. That's exactly correct. Now, very important question, and, and unfortunately, people aren't aware of the restrictions. And this is a, a, a true life thing. Can the board use money from the reserve fund to pay for unexpected repairs to the common elements that's not covered by the reserve fund? You know, I'm going to not be the typical attorney and say it depends. <laughs> the, the short answer is no. If money is earmarked for a certain purpose in a reserve account, you have right. to use it for that purpose. It would be inappropriate, let's say, for example, to use um, money that's in a reserve account, let's say, for example, for road repairs, to repair the pool. Uh, under certain circumstances, the members can... Uh, by majority vote, approve the use of those reserve funds for other purposes. But generally speaking, I agree with you 100% that so, generally reserve funds need to be used for what they're reserved for. So that's, that's what it means. In general, reserve means reserved for Co- the activity designed for. Correct. That's and generally you can't correct. inappropriately take your Social Security money and pay for the <laughs> Defense Department, so to speak. <laughs> that's correct. Right? That's correct. Okay. What's Got the it. difference between a, a regular assessment and a special assessment? Okay, well, a regular assessment, generally speaking, is used um, when the board adopts a budget. They, they adopt a total budget for what they anticipate their, their costs would be for the entire year, and they divide that, whether it's by months or by quarters, and then they levy that assessment against all the members. If you have 50 lots, it would be levied against 50 lots, and that would be your regular monthly or quarterly assessment. Oftentimes, unfortunately, what happens is the board runs out of money or they need more money to fund litigation or they have unexpected repairs that aren't covered by reserve funds and they'll levy a special assessment and that's probably one of the most... So when you sell your condo or home, who pays that special assessment? Is it the homeowner who... The seller or the, the new buyer... Depends when they take over the property, I guess. It could depend on that. But interestingly enough, in the FAR bar contract, which is a form contract that's approved by the Florida Bar and the Florida Association of Realtors, you can make a choice 
um, for governmental purposes, whether special assessments, you'll be in charge of all of the assessments before or after title conveys, and even for condos and homeowner associations. So you mean you have to read your contract? You actually have to read it. <laughs> oh. And dare I say that I recommend that you read the entire thing, as boring as that may be. Right. Isn't that amazing? Because it's, it's more than one page, you know. I don't know oh. if I have the attention span. Well, yeah, normally you, when, you, when you just closed on a house, you got all those real estate documents, and then they hand you a book of covenants for the oh homeowner association as well. Whoever reads that. No one reads it. I, unless it has a provision about my dog. Now I'll read it. And that leads to my question. What about service animals and, and emotional support animals? Oh. So that's a touchy subject, especially when you're talking about animals that really you would think at first glance should not be in a community. Like, for example, maybe my snake? your snake or a <laughs> potbelly pig in a community where they're digging under the grass and escaping from a homeowner's uh, fenced-in yard. Those sound like real-life stories. Uh, they are, actually. <laughs> 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 but generally speaking... Believe it or not, a condominium or a homeowner association community, they are a housing provider under fair housing laws, and they are required to grant reasonable accommodations. That doesn't mean if someone says they need an animal to make them feel all lovey-dovey that an association <laughs> needs to, to grant it. And as a matter of fact, how I counsel all of our clients is you need to force the applicant who is requesting the accommodation to demonstrate that he or she is actually entitled to the accommodation. What does that mean? that they're in fact handicapped as defined by law, and that the animal, whatever it may be within reason, is anticipated to alleviate the effects of the handicap. So for example, it's not enough that someone is normally shy. Right. Um, they, have to be, they have to have some type of mental impairment that substantially limits a major life activity. I can't shower, I can't get motivated to get out of bed. Saying that you're shy and you prefer not to socialize at parties, that may not go far enough. But where someone actually has an impairment, right. that, that can go far I, enough. I've used dogs <laughs> in the past for my emotional stress and strain for meeting women usually. <laughs> 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 right. you know, I it's great for that for for the time no. being until they get to know me and then and then you need the dog again. <laughs> <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, one of the biggest issues down here are, are the rights of renters, owners, uh, and actions against the association because of renters. Um, some associations allow dogs, and then they have a covenant in there not with renters, you know. And yet, uh, it, it seems like there's selective enforcement uh, on that. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, briefly explain to our audience, what is selective enforcement? That's a good question. Selective enforcement is when um, the board turns a blind eye to various violations in the community, one of which that comes to mind recently is someone changing their door handles to something different than what's allowed oh, yeah. in, in a condo, yeah. or someone keeping a commercial truck in, in an HOA community, or someone renting their unit for a period of time that's not permitted, let's say short-term rentals where those are prohibited, yeah. where the board turns a blind eye to that and then subsequently tries to enforce those same restrictions against other homeowners, those other homeowners can claim that the board is selectively enforcing their documents. And that comes with significant risk. The association could be prohibited from enforcing those restrictions if found to have selectively enforced them. Let me ask you something going down that same road. Um, in my varied and storied career, I've actually sued homeowners associations too on behalf of people before. Um, but one of the things that a lot of people get involved with or, or hear about when they hear about homeowners associations are when they pass certain rules and regulations and some people think it's arbitrary or random as opposed to, opposed to um, you know, something that's really helping the community. W how does that work? With, you know, what is the standard? I know that they're heavily regulated. But well, the standard is generally rules and regulations and covenants and restrictions. All of the 
restrictions and the governing documents need to be enforced even-handedly against everyone. That's my opinion. They, they shouldn't be singled out. Right, but can they make random uh, <clears throat> rules, even some that might even violate Florida law? No, definitely not. Definitely right. not. Rules need to be reasonable, and um, there are various tests for determining how they can be enforced. But generally speaking, rules need to be reasonable. They can't conflict with the declaration, and they have to be enforced against everyone. So even if, like, let's say, a local ordinance in the city that they're in prohibits something, that then the association can't pass a resolution going against that regulation or something like that? Well, that really depends. But generally speaking, the association cannot adopt rules, regulations, restrictions that conflict with law. Okay. Speaking about so, rules, regulations, and as far as I'm concerned, conflicts with law, <laughs> <laughs> Governor Rick Scott, before he became Senator Rick Scott, signed a host of, of new laws governing issues and uh, that are in effect this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, not listing all of them, but what do you think are, are, are the are the honorary mentions. I mean, there's so many different ones. I think Statutes. One of the, I think one of the more recent ones that recently popped to mind was the fact that after January 1st of this year, um, that uh, condominium associations of more than uh, 150 units need to make arrangements to have a website, and they have to post various information, such as the governing documents to the website, various financial It's a great idea, actually. Yeah, it well, is a good idea. Um, transparency, great. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, especially for those who aren't able to attend meetings because they have this thing that interferes with life called work. Right. Or they're a snowbird or something like that. Right. And they travel back and forth. Or they're people like me who don't pay our homeowners association dues. That's an interesting question. What, right. what happens, what, what happens to your rights when you don't pay your dues? You, the, generally speaking, what happens is the association forecloses and causes the foreclosure auction of your unit. So can the condo association buy the unit then? Absolutely. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, that is a good question. Uh, sometimes they don't even have a choice. Sometimes, more more likely than not, if there's no equity in the unit, what will end up happening is that there will be no third-party bidders that actually want to buy the property at a foreclosure sale. So the association is left holding the bag, so to speak, where they have the opening bid at the foreclosure auction for $100. They have the right to bid up to the maximum amount of their judgment. So if you didn't pay $5,000 in fees and they get a judgment for that, the association can bid up to $5,000 at the sale without coming out of pocket. But if there's no equity in your unit, no one else is going to want to buy it. Like nine out of ten times, the association will take title to the unit. So sometimes they don't have a choice. So then they have to manage that property in addition to everything else that's going on. That's correct. But sometimes they can lease it out and make up some of the deficiencies. And how is the cost of, the, like if they have to buy a unit, how is that cost uh, trickled down to the other oh, unit owners still there? Well, because... Assuming the association wins in its foreclosure action and gets a judgment saying it's owed 5000 10000 normally an association won't bid above its judgment because they don't want to come out of pocket. The judgment acts as a credit, kind of like um, someone else is funding your day in a casino. I right. didn't know that. Where, yeah. okay. so, yeah, that's why I like to go to Las Vegas with Phil. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm joining lost, you next time. Well, lost wages. I just bet on everything he, he does. He counts cards, by the way. <laughs> um, you like Raymond. Um, what is considered a board meeting? I mean, I, I live in a condo setting, and some are restricted because they're legal meetings, and I get, I get paranoid about that. What, what is it that they want to keep away from me? Probably matters that are protected by the attorney-client privilege. As much as you may uh, have even more of a curiosity as to what right. goes on behind closed doors, the reality is sometimes the board needs to meet with its lawyers behind closed doors where it concerns, let's say, for example, proposed or pending litigation, or it concerns personnel matters, and the contents of that meeting would otherwise be privileged. So if your association is suing someone, foreclosing against someone, suing someone to uh, get them to repaint their home, or suing them to get rid of the commercial semi-tractor trailer that they're keeping in the community... Right. 
right? Sometimes the board needs to meet with the attorney for purposes of planning, strategy, uh, making decisions, and uh, that would be something that's privileged that they wouldn't want other people to know about just yet. That, well, that, that's, that's an interesting point because technically all the unit owners in whatever association it is are part of the are entitled to be at the general meeting. Correct. The board is who they elect to, to I guess, govern, but why why wouldn't those people be entitled to know if there's any litigation or anything like that? They would certainly be entitled to know if there's any litigation. And and, and, the, and, and why would they be not subject or, or subject to the attorney-client privilege, not privy to the conversations? Because the interesting thing, and, and I guess someone had enough money to take this up on appeal, but there's case law that talks about um, uh, an association attorney mm -hmm. doesn't owe the individual members any fiduciary duty. The association attorney represents the corporate entity, the condo association, the homeowner association, mm -hmm. and works for the board, essentially. Right. So now, what about the condo, for lack of a better word, nosy buddy? Some people <laughs> call it the, Condo commando, the, you the mean? Commando, right? I mean, I, I live in a community. God bless my neighbors. They're only ha there half the year. But when they're there, they're all above 75 years old, retired, and they are very interested in the comings and goings of my daily activity. What do you do with uh, a situation like that? You try to make nice and answer politely and avoid <laughs> or, them. Or you move. Cost. Or you move, yeah. <laughs> well, you could take so, after my fiancé and I. We don't live in a community association, even though I live and breathe this 24-7. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I found that interesting. <clears throat> um, when it comes to condo associations, homeowner associations, I want to focus a little on condo right now because there's a trend, and it's a trend where I grew up, and now it's hitting South Florida big time. I now live in a mixed-use building. They have the restaurant on the first floor and some other services and so forth. And um, those are, I guess, office condos because they're owned. Correct. Yeah. Likely, yeah. Has, has that changed <clears throat> the landscape or, or issues governing or, or things that now have to be in play? Because mixed-use properties were not here 10, 15 years ago, but they're here now in a big way. Yeah, well, we're seeing a lot of that, especially where the ground floor of a condominium, which for the most part is useless, can be used by people who have successful businesses who need a place to right. run their business and can right. help defray the cost of the building. Right. So we're seeing a lot more of those now. I'm not going to name the restaurant, but we're known as that building. It's a fine <laughs> restaurant. Italian's been around forever. I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Well, we're neighbors, actually. That's correct. <laughs> yes, sir. I like your office. It is so convenient. Thank you. And it's convenient to live next to you, but you need yeah. to close your blinds when you shower. <laughs> <laughs> and poke my eyes out, please. <laughs> oh, I live on the seventh floor, so that should be an interesting <laughs> trick. But no, in all sincerity, um, I see your Porsche parked out there. I say, oh, he's in the office. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but in all seriousness, uh, it is easy parking, easy to get to. It's it's open to your your clients. Yeah, absolutely. As well, and I like the fact again that you're you're more of a, a, a firm that is focused on service. Absolutely. You know that that I really appreciate. I I was a president of a homeowner association, and I felt like I was a number. You know, stand in line. I spoke to that damn paralegal more than I <laughs> spoke to that attorney. Well, like where the anecdote, and you know, one of the wanted to hire her <coughs> afterwards. But right. Go ahead. No, one of the that's mm -hmm. one of the things that maybe separates us from from everyone else. You know, we don't charge for anything other than substantive legal services. I never charge for travel time, and we wait a minute, wait a minute. That's unique. It is unique because. Um, um, Attorneys like now to charge for this is being recorded. You don't charge for travel time. I know that this is being recorded. Oh, I'm, I'm Chuck admitting it. I'm seriously. <laughs> That's you amazing. Know, you, isn't that violating a bar rule or something? No, it's not. It's it's it, 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 it may be. I may be missing out on income. But you know, my yeah. my partner, the managing partner of the firm, Keith Backer. This he said this once, and uh, it kind of stuck in my head. And I say it as a joke now, but it is very much true. 
clients don't like paying lawyers to do nothing. So as a matter of uh, practice, he never charged clients for travel time, and neither wow. did I. What we charge for. It's it's interesting, but it's it good. Is. It works. I like that. Thank I, you. I like that, Chuck. <laughs> no, I, I when I, as there's certain areas where we can't charge for travel time either. When we're awarded court ordered fees and stuff like that, it, sure. it is taken out. Sure. Um, no comment on my part. <laughs> <laughs> When it comes to the new rules, uh, there are certain rules we talked about, such as having the website. Um, and these rules, at the time I, 26 years ago, was president, I didn't have to get myself certified. I was certifiable, but <laughs> not, not certified. Well, you did serve on a board. So. I did. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's enough. Once, and you. that was enough for that. Thankless job. It, it was. And that's our job. We're trying to make it easier for the board members. It's, right. it's thankless, and it's time-consuming, and you're doing this for free. You know, you know, it was really funny last night at the, at the Homeowners Association meeting, even though it was the first one, and everybody was happy and likes each other and what have you, and there was actually a cop there. A, a deputy there, <laughs> really? and it was a requirement of the Cooper City that a deputy be at every homeowners association meeting. I mean, have you ever run into any encounters where it got really oh, yeah. hot and heavy like that? Oh, yeah, and I'll have no qualms asking someone to leave if they're prohibiting the board or the members from conducting whatever business needs to be done. We've had situations where we've had to have sheriff's deputies attend the meetings where one person or the other we know is extremely volatile, and it makes for a less than pleasant situation where... Generally speaking, the people who come to the meeting, the members, they come because they care. The board cares because they're serving on the board and they have a job to do. And someone who disrupts a meeting prevents all that from happening and causes people to waste time. Right. Well, so we have to sometimes have sheriff's deputies there. Now, what about if somebody wants to, like let's somebody, somebody has a beef with the board and they want to videotape or record the meeting, the general meeting, not the board yeah, meeting, but that, the general meeting. That's a very good question. Can they do that? Absolutely. And that's allowed by? Yes. How, now, they have to give notice, though, right? Um, not always. The board oh, can wow. adopt. The board can all, uh, can adopt reasonable rules and regulations that would, let's say, for example, require someone to uh, maybe sign a sign-in sheet so that the board would have knowledge as to who's recording, who may have videotape. Um, but generally speaking, there's no prohibition. As, as the attorney for an association, if there are insurance issues, mm -hmm. you know, possibly bad faith or or just you know not paying enough or whatever the situation is, is that something that you would get involved in, or is that something that you would call another? attorney and, and refer to them? It depends on the case. Most of the time, those files come to us and we can address them, for the most part. Right. Um, but uh, it really depends on the case, the facts and the circumstances. Yeah. I actually handled one of those uh, for a condo association years ago uh, in federal court. Uh, but that was it was an insurance claim where the uh, sewer pipe dropped about six feet overnight. It was a sewer wow. pipe I could have actually walked into. And the insurance company was arguing settlement. Dropped it happened right after I Oof. ate at my mother-in-law's uh, house. <laughs> but, it was, but, it, but, it was, but most of the time, I, I think it was referred to by we referred to by um, condo association lawyers. Gotcha, because that's what we do is insurance. And yeah. you know the, that brings that brings up an important point where if if the association does sustain certain damage, let's say from a hurricane, a lot of times um, what has been the uh, the pattern is that boards will hire public adjusters. We. We understand that public adjusters have their place, and, they, and they're certainly helpful and beneficial and do what they need to do to get an association paid. But a lot of times what ends up happening is it's overlooked that you may actually need to sue the insurance company. And that's where working with a law firm may otherwise help you. 
um, even more than a public adjuster to get the case moving. I had a, I had a, a, a casualty at my house. I didn't call a public adjuster. I called a lawyer. Right. Yeah. A- amen. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you offer classes to get board members certified. Is that, is that still the case? We do repeatedly. The managing partner, Keith Backer, teaches right. them routinely. We have one coming up in a few weeks. Um, it's going to be held at one of our clients' communities who uh, graciously um, uh, allowed us to use their facilities. And, well, um, here's the top question. What does it cost? Usually it's free. Really? Yes. And that's a new requirement now, right? That board members be certified either to attend a class where they can sign a certificate saying they've attended a class where they can be provided with such a certificate, or they can choose if they prefer not to attend a class, they can choose to read the governing documents and simply execute a certificate saying they'll uphold them and they've read them and will do the best they can. Now, we only have two minutes left. I want our audience to understand not only do you work with associations, but unit owners as well. Of course, it's a case-by-case basis. That also includes the homeowners association uh, as well. That's correct. Um, If someone has some questions, possibly going through an ordeal, and I'm not talking about the American flag in front of their house. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which we all have heard about. Right. Uh, What's the best way to contact you? Uh, Email or phone. Would you like me to give that? Yeah, absolutely. So my phone number is 561-361-8535. Again, my name is Ryan Abood, and that's probably the best way to call me. I never charge for initial consultations, um, even if it's, if it's to address substantive matters, and I'm, I'm happy to, to give my time like that. Well, I'll do one step better. Spell your last name. Abood, A-B-O-U-D. That's right, and then you put Ryan in front of it. That's correct. And then you put homeowners associations <laughs> or association law, uh, you come right up. And that's just oh, by great. Google. Wonderful. So nobody has to f- figure out what you're going to write. Just remember his name and, of course, the, the practice that he does. It, it really is a, a privilege to have you here at, on the program. Oh, it's a privilege for me to be here. Thank you very Absolutely. much for having me. Absolutely. As, as always, Chuck, it's great to see you. You're my uh, hockey buddy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Too bad the Panthers uh, lost the last few. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Are they so still busy. playing? Yeah. yeah. They go really? into April. Ah. No, I, I mean, I, I, I know that's still playing. It was a joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the Blackhawk tickets, but we'll get there next year, you know? That's why I always say, wait till next year as well. Well, as always, this goes by too fast. It, it really does. You Thank know? God for some people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want you to put down your cell phones. This is drive time. You're going to get to your location. Don't text. I mean, it's so important, you know? A big deal. You could wait 10 minutes, a half hour to get that message. You know, before they had them, you would have to wait anyway. And remember, be legal. (laughs) You've been listening to the award-winning legal news and review, recognized by the Florida Bar's Award of Excellence. To contact the legal panel hosts and guests, go to BeLegalBuzz.com. And to reach Gary Singer, board-certified real estate and syndicated columnist, appearing in 400 media outlets, including the front page of the Money section every Monday in the Sun Sentinel, from the law firm of Gary M. Singer, PA, call 954-851-1448. For legal news and review, remember, be legal. Do you need an attorney? Call someone you can trust. The Broward County Bar Association, a not-for-profit organization, was founded in 1925 to foster courtesy, ethics, and professionalism, as well as to provide necessary legal services throughout South Florida. The Broward County Bar Association, 3,000 members strong, has attorney members that work throughout the entire state of Florida, as well as nationally and internationally. Remember, the Broward County Bar Association is a referral you can count on. Call the Broward County Bar Association at 954 766 8310 for all your legal needs. A referral you can count on. 954-764-8310 or contact online at BrowardBar.org. Non-lawyer spokesperson.